Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the tack... (laughs) (laughs) On the attack. You don't want that. Right before we went live, Justin said, Alex needs a win, and this is not it. I gotta be honest. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> we're going to talk about a bunch another L of... for the A man <laughs> taking another L and just rolling with it as I always do I know I love the moment when you were like oh we're going to start over and we were like nope we're going to keep going <laughs> it's, a, it's a dumb enough mistake that I don't mind just putting it out there on the old internet oh, nice. anyway we're going to talk about a bunch of new comic books that have come out this week and one older comic book this was a recommendation from Crisp Espinette, I did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher, I. (laughs) Look at Pete laughing it up. I love it. It's amazing. We're going to talk about Silver Surfer (laughs) Requiem by JMS and Asad Ribic. At the end of the show, if you would like to request something for us to review, do it in the Apple podcast comments. Leave us a rating and a comment, and we'll get on that. But let's kick it off with the new stuff first. The Variants, number one from Marvel, written by Gail Simone, art by Phil Noto. Oh this is God. a new Jessica Jones mystery, and as you can probably tell from the cover, seems like some weird stuff is potentially going on with different versions of Jessica Jones. We don't quite wholly get into that, this issue, that we start to tease it. But in the meantime, we get the status quo for Jessica Jones, what's going on with her, and follow that here. I thought this was great and exactly what I wanted out of a Jessica Jones book. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, the way that um, Gail and Phil really captured the vibe of Jessica Jones from the original um, Bendis Gato series it's it's spot on while also sort of being a little bit refreshing. It doesn't have as much of the hard-nosed version, like uh, sort of dark clouds always circling her. Because I think since the original series, her life has changed a lot. And so it makes sense that she's a little bit sort of busier. She's a little bit more, a little bit less uh, cynical. And I, I think this is just a great extension. Phil Noto's art is awesome. Um, looking forward to this. Yeah, I uh Art's Bananas good. This is a real fun take. Uh great kind of uh piece for Jessica here. We get to see a lot of like cool parts, uh what makes her great uh in different ways. It's really uh, a lot of fun. And uh yeah, I mean uh the f- kind of fun reveal at the end I don't want to spoil was was also very exciting. They do a good job of getting you excited for more. Uh it's a, it's a hell of an issue. You see the cover for the second issue? And this yeah. is uh, oh, not yeah. necessarily a spoiler, but it's Jessica Good Jones kissing that daredevil. Hey, come on, man. Kissing that daredevil. Don't spoil it for people. 
We'll see what happens. Should be a lot of fun to follow this book. This is great. Very exciting. Let's talk about the end of the series. Batman Catwoman. Number 12 from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. This is wrapping up this mega series that ostensibly was wrapping up Tom King's run on Batman before it was spun out into its own thing. I know we've been very back and forth about some of the issues involved here, but Pete, as our resident Batcat shipper, how did you feel about how this wrapped up? Holy shit, it finally all happened. We got it. We got what we were kind of like teased. Back in uh, 2019 with this, the start of this kind of thing. Uh, But Clay, man, holy shit. This is some great stuff here. We get everything in this issue. All the things answered. Really amazing, powerful stuff. Hilarious. Uh, That whole Superman bit was really great. Uh, Just an amazing story. This is worth the weight and all the kind of back and forth, like uh, this is this is just really a lot of fun and great to see this side of Batman a little bit. I do love when we get kind of windows inside his relationship with soups. I love uh, windows. Yeah, it's just uh, you know that's what panels are. You know what I mean? The combo panels are just windows into people's souls. I'm here for and their all relationship of it. to soups as a lunch uh, option. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, when you get older, you got to be like, you know what, let's just let's just make a pack about killing somebody. You know what I mean? Let's just do it. Um, I uh, I love this as well. I think it in a series that uh, like I think everybody was like, this is feels a little all over the place, especially in the middle. It really brought it together in a great way. Uh, but uh, I have an issue that I want to talk about in, on like page the middle of the comic, it's like page 12 or something. It's a full page spread of uh, Catwoman hugging uh, Bruce. Yep. And he's wearing um, underwear. And he's wearing boxer briefs. And so the way we're, what, we're, what we're going with here is we're he like, wears boxer briefs and then he puts on his Batman uniform, which is briefs. He has like the, the brief. <laughs> What's the deal? I, well, he's wearing boxer briefs underneath and then this briefs is, over top. This is very wait, similar to wait, when he like puts on happened. a mask. And then he pulls off his mask and his Batman mask is under it. That bothers me, too. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to go all boxer briefs or you're going to go all briefs. It's, it's, guys, it's the comic book. Come on. Let's let's be cool about this. All right. Oh, you, you're do not you not remember brief. what we do here, sir? <laughs> we get into you, the you issues double, that matter. You can't double brief it. You got to go boxer briefs. With a brief, I say it makes a match. You know what I mean? Hmm. Do you want to put on Teddy Whitey's below that so you get like the triple layer? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. extra protection. That's what I always say. Protection, yeah. You, what you got? I get that comfort, ladies. Stay away. What? This is mine. <laughs> what? He's <laughs> <What just laughs> got a chastity uh, belt. I would I'm, like I'm to say. I'm wondering how much I should poke the bear here with Pete. Uh, I know. I, I, I like can see say, it. The look on your face. You didn't. I'm love trying this. to decide. I'm just, I, Pete, I would like to say I was a little disappointed. The cover gave things away a little bit. I was a little mm-hmm. kind of like. You know, don't don't give it all away on the cover. You know what I mean? Like covers are fun and great, but like it sucks when the cover spoils uh, a cool reveal. I think they brought the mask of the Phantasm mystery. I guess just Phantasm mystery together nicely in here. I'm glad this comic is done. And wow, I I respect everybody involved. Love Tom King. I think Clayman is great as well. 
I really feel like this has been a mess all over the place. You don't think Mask of the Phantasm had beef with Joker? You don't think that was legit? No, I said the Phantasm that's, that's thing. That's the one part That was the one thing I said I liked. Uh, but I, here's the thing that's really going to poke the bear here. My main impression reading this is I am ready to move on from Batman Catwoman just as a couple wow. entirely. Wow. What, are you sick of them? You, you're already over them? You don't yes. love love? It. What this reminded me of, and you I didn't think like the granted, so there's a side note here, like not a side note, this is the related note, is Tom King is clearly doing his magnum opus, everything that he needs to say about Batman Catwoman. So right. maybe part of what I'm feeling is like, I'm full. You gave me a full meal. I'm good to go. But my mm-hmm. main impression reading this book was I was like, maybe we can figure out a way to end this relationship now so both of them can move on to other people because I kind of miss the idea. Yeah, like, no. Uh, They don't even need to do that. They could just break up and go in other directions because part of what I think is interesting about them is not that they're together and tied at the hip all the time, but that they do separate, go to these other people, and always inevitably come (laughs) back to each other after an amount of time. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite type of relationship, too, is where I'm stressed out all the time about leaving and coming back. Hard to enjoy any aspect of my life. But then Batman dates a bunch of other folks. He dates Vicky Vale. He dates, what's what's the one you like? Not the Silver Sable type, but that's not Sasha. Right. Yes, yeah, so it's funny. I, my first thought was Silver Sable. Sasha Bordeaux. Yeah, there you Great go. relationship. Yeah, there you go. So it gives okay. options. Catwoman has a bunch of flings as well and go, hooks up with other people. Um, what, I don't know. What's it's your fun. deal? You hate what marriage? You, you, you just oh, like, you, you have know, an like, open marriage over yeah, here? Yeah, you, you don't want someone to be tied down with somebody? I thought. No, they, I have a closed marriage. I think I explained about the three pairs of underwear I wear to. Keeps all the keeps everybody. Right it's from. very close. It's, it's close. Extremely close. No thanks. It's one down to well, one. I can't believe that you thought that was explaining your marriage to us. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, right. all, all you need to know about me: I wear three pairs of underwear. Every oh day. yeah, that answers all my questions. About Case you. closed. <laughs> Let's move on. Talk about public domain number one from Image Comics by Chip Zdarsky. This is another book. I'm very hesitant to spoil because almost the whole point of the book comes at the end. A lot of this is laying groundwork for where we're going to be going in the series, but basically what you need to know about it is it's about a... We don't know exactly the powers, but like imagine the two guys who created Superman had a falling out back in the day. One of them still really loves the character and makes no money off of it. The other one hates the character and makes tons of money off of it. And the latest Superman type movie is coming out in the middle of it. The artist, the one who still loves the character, has two sons who are semi estranged ahead on different paths. uh, And all of these characters start to rotate and revolve around each other before there's some big changes by the end of the first issue um very inside baseball but so this, that's what i was gonna say oh yes oh. i'm uh, i'm on like i'm a shortstop essentially um mm-hmm. when it comes to baseball I, I do think this book is written for uh, it's like a fantasy for comic book creators essentially mm-hmm. um i I, I think it's cool like i like it i think the story the uh where it ends up at the end of the first issue is interesting but i'm curious where it goes from here to me it could easily be one more issue and be like got it but i do think <laughs> it's going to continue to branch out in different areas and i'm curious it's going to get so wonky i feel like so i'm curious and chips darcy's a great 
writer, so I'm sure he can find new uh, areas to explore, like he's been doing in his Daredevil run. Uh, but I'm curious where that is in a world yeah. that is very much set inside um, the specifics of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got hope that this is going to be better than real life because we all know in real life the artist gets the artist gets ripped off and gets no money and no love. So I'm hoping we're going to go in a different direction. But unlike you, Justin, I'm not going to attack. Uh, Chips and Darsky and uh, yeah, you, you call this stuff. You're like, this is going to get wobbly. I would never say that. Said about wonky. Us. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And I mean that in that it's going to get too very specific into details like um, uh, policy wonk. If you're talking about politics. Okay. I guess I don't know what wonky means, but anyways, like uh, really I, didn't, wonky. I didn't, I didn't appreciate the negative connotations you were putting on Chip Sidarsky's work. I don't think he deserves any of that. And I was uh, actually very positive about him. If you remember one second ago. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't listen. I just heard the word wonky and I was like, that's negative, but I don't like it. Um, <laughs> that was actually not, uh, but I think this is a cool premise and it gives me hope. I'm hoping that, uh, like Ted Lasso, this will have a positive spin on a story that we know all too well. And uh, if we're talking about inside baseball, I guess I would be an announcer commenting on a sport that has always been a little mm-hmm. too out of my reach. Let me just throw out there for the listener, if you don't know this, um, you can add like Tad Lasso, Ted Lasso to the beginning of any sentence that Pete says uh, <laughs> on this podcast and in, in real life. Uh, so feel free to just imagine that right before Pete. Guilty talks. as charged. I completely hear what both of you guys are saying. I really like this a lot. I thought Chip, it's great seeing Chip Zdarsky on art again, something that we haven't seen for a little bit since Sex Criminals. Uh, he's got little humorous bits throughout there. I don't think I really sure appreciated all of his derogatory names for geek-friendly like podcasts and stuff who are doing interviews. That was a pretty, pretty dismal part of great the book, runner. to be honest. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Come on. Wow. I, I, okay. But it was very funny. Uh, And the whole thing is very funny. I'm very curious to see where it goes, because like you said, Justin, I do think he is going to get very in the weeds here about this stuff. But at the same time, it's a situation that's going to spiral out of control in potentially big ways. And I think there's a lot of creativity that could happen there and I think will happen there. Sometimes the weeds is a great place to be. It's where the frogs are. There you go. Okay. Buffy 97, number one from Boom Studios, written by Jeremy Lambert, art by Mariana Ignasi. This is, as the title says, taking it back to Buffy's roots. We're getting a tale of them going to the mall and getting sucked into a magazine. Like we've talked about with a lot of these Buffy books, this is one that actually pretty much has the classic characters and classic situations. So I know you guys have been very iffy about the remixes here, including one that we're going to talk about later on in the podcast. But what did you think about this issue? I thought this was fun. I felt like they did a good job of like kind of setting up uh, the kind of pace of this and the, the kind of bits. So I... I appreciate it. it was easy to kind of follow and understand. And uh, yeah, that uh, zombie kind of quarter looking uh, villain was uh, freaking me out. But uh, other than that, the kind of uh, the magical kind of uh, a bad lady was pretty cool. I like this a lot, too. It, of all the Buffy sort of uh, expanded universe books we're getting, this one had such a strong take and such a strong art take, uh, which I really liked. And the format sort of played out like uh, a fashion magazine because that was the content they were dealing with or like a classic uh, Archie double digest issue where it was like a lot of uh, spreads where you're seeing just 
silent panels of uh, the characters or their friends in cool clothes hanging out. And it was a nice tonal uh, use of that. Um, so I thought it was cool. And the story I, was creepy in a good way. Yeah. Iron Cat, number one from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Per Perez. In this issue, we are picking back up on one of Justin's favorite comic books. Yes. As the Black Cat tries to solve a new mystery of who is in the Iron Cat armor with some twists there. Justin, take it away. Um, I love Jed McKay's sort of mini universe of Black Cat. And uh, I think he finds ways to continually expand and go in different directions, build this mythology. Tell you what, dogs uh, don't like cats. Wait, wait, wait. Is, is Pip don't slip like giving her uh, giving own review in the background? Is that what's up? Yeah, there's like, you know, dogs and people. They don't know. They just want to have their opinion known. Mm-hmm. Um, cats. Uh, but as I was saying, like um, and this adds like some nice past stuff uh, and Black Cat's relationship to Black Fox and a new character. And then touching off on the continuity um, where Black Cat has been messing with Iron Man lately um, and stealing from him and seeing that come through. It's just a really smartly written. It's fun. It's funny. It's got the great criminal theft angles. It's just, if you haven't tried this out, I recommend picking up really any issue in the run. I agree with what Justin was saying. It's really smart, the twists and turns and the inner twining of characters. And it was a fun moment where Black Cat's like, what's that got to do with me and what I'm doing right now? And then that fun reveal. Uh, great times. Uh, next up, The Swamp Thing, number 14 from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. In this issue, The Swamp Thing has gone to space with Green Lantern while down on Earth. The new um, machine, I'm forgetting what it's called, uh, but basically, like, there's the red, the green, now there's the machines are starting a big war there with the avatar of the green. This is the sort of trippy, crazy shit that I want from Swamp Thing that makes it feel yes. like old school Vertigo. Love this issue. Agree completely. Like I, I think this Rambi series has been so good. It's I feel like the limited. It's a limited series. It's sort of like sort of a, a countdown that's stressed, like a Spawn style countdown that's stressing me out because I really love it. I want it to keep going, and they added some issues from its original uh, numbering. So. Here's hoping you just keep, we get more and more of it because I think it's great. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to poke the bear here on this one, but uh, uh, again, the cover gave things away, which I didn't appreciate. Uh, it was a lot of, uh, you know, Green Lantern and my Swamp Thing, which, you know, also I was like, eh, green. Okay, green. They're green it, friends. They're green. Yeah, green friends. But green like, buddies. you know, don't. Don't fucking yuck my yum. You know what I mean? With too much of your Green Lantern bullshit. But I did appreciate the space dust guy who just kind of like walked away from Green Lantern and was like turned into space dust because I, that's how I feel like as soon as one per- person starts going off about Green Lantern. So that was kind of like uh, I would like to do you, you turn to space dust? Yeah, it would be nice if someone was just kind of going, you know, it's great about Green Lantern. And I could just kind of step off into the air and uh, just kind of turn into space dust. You know what I mean? You know what you're going like to start doing up. is you wear uh, three pairs of underwear. Really protects you from people trying to talk to you about a uh, Green Lantern. You know what I'm talking about? Sins nope. of the Black. Are you trying, to have, any, are you, are you trying to have any more kids, Alex? Because I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's been hard so far. Sins of the Black Flamingo, number one, from Image Comics, written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Travis Moore. In this issue, we meet a gentleman thief-type character who is stealing magical relics, uh, sometimes for good, sometimes for not quite so good. But as you might expect, he gets embroiled in something much, much bigger than him. I didn't know what to expect going into this issue, and I came out loving it. I thought it was so good, so smart, so funny. The art by Travis Moore is amazing. So good. One of my favorites of the week. I really like this as well. I feel like you get – there's a fair number of books that are like, and the main character is a charming thief. And then you read about it, and you're like, this guy sucks. (laughs) Um, And in this comic, they do such a great job of making our main character like super charming, super fun. And then I like how just committed to the sort of magic – mystical side of it uh, the book is in such a way where they don't have to be like so here's the type of magic that this person does it's based on this blah, blah, and then it just is like nope she's doing some magic over here and like very coolly written uh yeah i mean this is i agree it's very coolly written it's very slick there's a lot of hot naked dudes in here so you know what's not to like there you go <laughs> <laughs> Hell, that did not go the direction that I thought it was going to go based on your attitude. All right, Hellboy and the BPRD. a little scratchy. <laughs> yeah. Hellboy and the BPRD, Old Man Whittier, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. This is another one-shot tale of Hellboy this time as he explores a mysterious mansion that may be tied to a case that he explored back in the day. Pete, you're our Hellboy boy. Talk about it. Hellboy boy. Boy, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was just classic Hellboy fun. I love this. This was just so great. It was fun to see Hellboy uh, talk shit to these creepy old ghosts and people and, uh, you know, uh, right, the, right the wrongs. I, I love this. I love this kind of like Hellboy just kind of walking around, helping things out, releasing ghosts and all that kind of stuff. And that like last bit he did at the panel, I fell out laughing. This is just amazing art amazing uh kind of characters driven story what's not to love you ever talk shit to ghosts no i don't have i'm not i'm not gonna fucking start talking shit to ghosts you're out of your mind i'm just saying the snakes seem pretty easy to handle they weren't even poisonous yeah i thought those were great i love these hellboy one one shots they're very very fun when we reviewed the last one, I was like, why can't we just do this all the time? And then now it seems like here comes some more of them. They're some of the most casual storytelling in comics right now, where it's just like, he's like, I don't know about this house. And he's like, I'm going to go in this other door. And then he's like, oh, here's the problem. And then he's like, then we solved it. And then he's like, here's a little joke on the way out. Like, it's just so chill. It's awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, now, why don't we move on? It's like actually- Yacht Rock for comics. Oh, uh, come on, dude. Don't you undercut it's the It's easy fucking- listening. I'm not. It's fuck easy you, listening. man. No, fuck People you. People love Yacht Rock. Don't worry about it. Don't dude, do they young. Pete, you right, love Pete? Yacht Rock. I don't know uh, if that's true. Rock. I don't know if that's true or not. But the, the point is, like, <laughs> you don't, know don't undercut. Uh, all the creativity and amazing stuff that is in this comic. I just said it was like Yacht Rock. That's a slap in the face. (laughs) People had to try hard to make those songs that are like chill and fun. Don't give this a Greg Pak kick in the pants, bro. You were, you were. When when Greg Pak says that, he means it's a positive. Sometimes. Nope. 
Okay, we're going to move on because we have a sponsor for this week's episode. It is Worlds Away. Worlds Away is the last god meets Radiant Black. Set in a futuristic universe, Worlds Away number one separates itself from the pack by blending high-octane sci-fi action in a fantastical archaic setting, all glued together by a story of a mother who will stop at nothing to protect her daughter. It's Makes a sense. spellbinding 22-page issue filled with thrilling action sequences, grounded by intense and sometimes brutal character moments and decisions. At the end of Worlds Away in number one, readers will be on the edge of their seats, itching to know what dangers await our characters. Created by Damian Becton, sixth-grade English teacher and 2021-winning comic writer of Mad Cave Studios' annual talent search, Worlds Away is now live on Kickstarter. Go to worldsawaycomic.com or search Worlds Away number one on Kickstarter right now. Not part of the ad, but that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Why don't we move on to some other comics, though? Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number two from Marvel, wow, written by Tochi Anubuchi and art by R.B. Silva. In this issue, Sam Arby's. Wilson is... Don't do that. Uh, Sam Wilson is (laughs) still on search for a bunch of super soldier serum, I believe is what's going on here. Whatever it is, he's having a fun time with Deadpool. That's the basic idea. Yeah. What a fun, Uh, odd couple team up. I mean, I didn't know I needed this in my life, but now I do. And I'm very happy it exists. This is cool. Why not? Yeah. Hell fucking yeah, man. (laughs) Well, and I feel like this is something we just aren't getting until now with the Sam Wilson cap is just sort of the, the a regular cap story. Like I feel like Sam Wilson stories are always tied up in a larger, uh, larger thing or are in a particular direction. This is just like, this is just some fun and it's a team up. It feels like Sam Wilson is the cap of the Marvel universe when you read this book. Yeah. Really enjoyed this as well. Next up, Action Comics number 1044 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Ricardo Frederici and Will Conrad and David Lapham. In the front story, Superman is continuing his fight against Mongol and Warworld with some surprising results by the end of the issue. We also got a backup story here showing on what's going on with the rest of the super family back on Earth. Pete, I believe you were pretty jazzed about this one. Want to talk about it? I was. I was super jazz hands about it. This is this is a lot of fun. This is great. Philip Kennedy Johnson is killing this. This is hey, the Jake. art is beyond bananas good. It, it's I love how intense this is. I love Hold all on. The what's beyond bananas? You walk into the supermarket, you see bananas, <laughs> you're like, this is a great this is a great part we of the We must go further. Excuse yeah. me, uh, produce boy. We must <laughs> go further than these bananas. Right. Take me. Uh, He's like, you mean plantains, sir? <laughs> Let go of my shirt. <laughs> plantains good. This artist plantains good. Uh, anyways, I really think that this is just uh, a fucking great package, man. This is just uh, a, such uh, a must pick up right now. I, I don't know what you're doing, but fucking get this comic. <laughs> wow. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Get the comic. Pete as uh, the father of us all when it comes to telling us how to get this comic. I wonder when um, this book was originally pitched. I feel like it was like going to take some of the stuff from The Last God and really bring it to Superman. But I wonder if everyone is a, as cognizant of the fact that Philip Kennedy Johnson was going to able, be able to like unearth all this great like real Superman like 
purity and wholesomeness that he is just highlighting in every issue of this book while also showing this wild alien adventure. Uh, like, it, this is just a landmark run. I really hope this gets held up as a just a really great true Superman story. Hi. I agree. And knowing that Superman is going to be returning to Earth sooner rather than later, I don't remember the exact schedule there. I'm very curious to see how this keeps going as well. Like this is definitely cresting up to a big place, but what will happen beyond that? What will the ramifications be? Very interested to check it all out. Next up, Ghost Cage, number three from Image Comics, written by Nick Dragota and Caleb Golner, art by Nick Dragota. Uh, it certainly seems like the last issue of this series, potentially, about a bunch of folks fighting their way up a smokestack and fighting various monsters. Pete, this was one of your favorites of the week. It was. Uh, I love the art style on this book. It is just so fantastic. And, you know, as somebody who is worried about ghosts, we got to come up with something. Stop you know talking I mean? shit to them, dude. We need. Stop talking uh, shit. Never. That was you. We need some kind of cage. We need some kind of, you know, entrapment unit, something for these ghosts. And I'm glad that, you know, it's comics like this. They're exploring these ideas. No, but I just I really think that the action, this the anime kind of style of this, this is just a really great uh, a very cool looking, unbelievable book. And I love the black and white feel, the grittiness. You're saying these ghosts need to be busted. That's right. And because Busted makes me yep. feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Busted makes me feel good. Great. Yeah. Uh, glad we got there. Uh, the I, I mean, if you're a fan of the book East Meets West, yeah. Uh, or sorry, East uh, East of West. Um, it's uh, this not only as uh, Nick Dragota's art that is very much in the same style. It is like right next door to that book in a good way. Like it has um, a similar story, like big storytelling yeah, like characters neighbor, on a journey. Like somebody you want to visit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, great stuff. Why don't we move on to a definite last issue, which is Seven Secrets, number 18 from Boom Studios, written by Tom Taylor, art by Danielle DiNicolo. In this issue, not only do we have the finale here, we find out what the secrets are the whole yes. time. All seven? All seven and big revelations wow. of how it all ends. Without spoiling that, I want to throw out to you, and I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but what I was really struck by with this issue, and this is mildly skirting spoilers, but it reminded me of sometimes doing like really huge play sessions as a kid with other kids where you're like riffing off of stuff and you start with like, well, I have these two action figures and it ends up being like and here's how this guy created the universe and this other guy is the evil guy in the universe and they're gonna fight it is for everything and all the other action figures are gonna stand there and they're gonna watch this awesome fight it is gonna be so cool and i like that so i enjoyed this issue yeah, what you just wow. described, um, Alex, is any improv set. Uh, so um, <laughs> I think Pete and I have uh, some experience doing that mm. um, because it did really build out to like some big revelations that I think we had no idea the connections were going to be as yeah. strong and surprising as they were in the end. Like a great, satisfying improv show when they uh, the performers can really bring it all together in a creative way, and that's what this book did. Yeah, I love the callbacks. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Pete, you can lean Pete into the in microphone. Fully it's, in another it's room. It's not going to bite you. It's not going to bite oh, your guys off. Thanks. 
She-Hulk number four from Marvel, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Luca Boresca. In this issue, She-Hulk is continuing to grapple with her identity issues, as well as what's been going on with Jack of Hearts and setting up her new law practice. Very fun visuals in this issue. There's a bunch of stuff with a bunch of heroes coming to visit her law office that I thought was so fun. Um, Very fun. I just I have a blast reading this. And like I say, every issue, I just need more of it every time. But then they keep bringing more out. So it's yeah, it's they're having a lot of fun with this. They're having fun with the little fight club references. And yeah, this is just great. This is just uh, continues to uh, not only give us more in She-Hulk's life and what she's doing, but uh, it's doing it in such a fun way that kind of like really gets you excited to learn more about this character and how she's going to handle this world that she is treading in. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. Art is fantastic. This is cool. Agree with all that. Great art. Uh, great story. Uh, fun character. Batman Fortress number two from DC Comics, written by Gary Witta, art by Derek Robinson. A alien armada is invading Earth, or at least one ship is invading Earth. Superman is missing, and the Justice League is trying to find out what's going on. Uh, I'll tell you what, I was surprised about this issue, and part of the reason I was surprised, despite the fact that Derek Robinson's art is always great, uh, the... I thought the concept was what if Batman had to go up and against an alien invasion all by himself, which is kind of what yeah. we got in the first issue. And the second issue was like, and here's the Justice League. Well, exactly. Because I think the first issue was like, because we didn't even get that in the first issue. The first issue was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this alone. And this year's issue was like, by calling all my friends in and doing it. And was like, <laughs> that didn't go super well. I guess I'm going to do this alone. And I'm like, next issue, what's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, are you still enjoying this, Pete? Yeah, I think this is fun. This whole kind of like intense alien attacks thing. Uh, super convenient for Superman not to be there. What's going on with that guy? Uh, but I'm yeah. excited to see what happens next. What's um, the agreed. Fir- uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just one other thing. Like the way that the everyone sort of got taken down in this issue and Batman was like, oof. We did not do a good job there. I was like, huh, not really <laughs> Weird uh, reaction. emotional reaction I was expecting. He was You're like hanging out with Alfred being like, we sort of jokes. blew that. Ooh, man, yeah. that was yeah. rough. Weird stuff. Yeah. What's the furthest place from here? Number seven from Image Comics written by Josh Hickson and Matthew Rosenberg. Art by Tyler Boss in this issue, we are flashing back to the beginning of whatever happened to this world that seems to just have kids. We actually see some grownups this issue, as well as a lot more about what's going on. So this is a big revelation issue. What'd you guys think about this? I mean, as you guys have kids, this has got to be the dream, right? Just somebody goes and takes your kids and puts them in some kind of candy land place where they can just go and hang out with each other. And you guys can go and, you know, like uh, work your jobs and take care of things and, and uh, you know, live your life. Yeah, it doesn't exactly my seem candy to be place. what's happening because the adults are getting torn apart and eaten, I think. Well, sure. Yeah, there's that yeah. side. I wouldn't love that part. Well, you wouldn't sacrifice your kids so they could have a Candyland adventure and just eat. Not if it's up. my death, man. Oh, really? Wow. That's, well, that's sort of what parenting is, Alex, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. We're slowly, exactly. Sacrifice. We're slowly being tree. eaten by it's our lives. Tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about this I'm one, almost Justin, out of apples. As, as a parent? <laughs> um, well, let me say, the uh, this f- could have been the first issue of this comic. 
uh, yeah. I feel like if you start yeah. at the, this is definitely the beginning of sort of the story, but I got to give like the way that this, the series has played out as this sort of, we don't know what's happening or why, but we're just following these characters and we get caught up with it. And then to jump back and really give us the deep dive, I think is cool. And it's a, it's, it's a surprising way to do it though. I yeah, I really like this one quite a bit. Tyler Bross's art, as always, is awesome. Next yeah, up, scary. Here's what I was way wrong about. I thought it ended. It didn't. Berserker number nine for Boob Studios, written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kinn, art by Ron Gardy. In this issue, our main Berserker finally comes back to Earth with devastating results. Pete, you love a good fight, fight, fight. Sure do, buddy. I thought there was more you were going to say there, but uh, nope. all right. So, um, nope. yeah, I thought this, my brain shut down. <laughs> the action on this is just glorious. Um, yeah, there's a, a, a lot. Yeah, I mean, come on. The, the Garney is no joke. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff where I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm still having a great time because of all the action. Uh, yes, please, of this team. Anything you guys want to do, I am there for. It's an unbelievable team. And uh, it's nice to see somebody, you know, just lose their fucking mind and start tearing things apart. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what a life. Yeah, that Pete's dream. Keep kissing the Garney stone on this one because I think this art is fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Why don't we, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about the Avengers number 57 from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Javier Garan. The uh, Avengers are headed back in time throughout not their history, but different Avengers throughout history in order to combat different Mephistos throughout the multiverse who have all banded together. Here they're finding a Sorcerer Supreme who uh, operated in World War II for a pretty fun done in one adventure that'll probably come back at some point as Jason Aaron continues to tell this mega story. Justin, what did you think about this one? Jason Aaron, I, we've talked, I've made this point a bunch, but the Jason Aaron's Avengers run, it's just like, and I say this, this sounds like lame, but I say it as a compliment. It's like wild freeform jazz where you're like, Whoa. just like, it feels like he's just moving through Avengers, all the Avengers sort of uh, continuity and just pulling in elements and finding new ways to use them. I just want to read the first line of this comic. In the necro bazaars of Algiers, word is that Hitler has himself a new secret weapon. Uh, <laughs> big swing out of the gate. And it only gets crazier with more and more wild specifics. The reveal of the Soldier Supreme is so satisfying. It's a character we just met in this issue. Holy so cool. beans and weenies. This is a lot of fun. I Yeah, this is just uh, uh, a lot of really cool moments. Uh, Jason and Aaron just having a blast. And uh, I'm even though there's more Mephistos than I would ever like in a comic. I'm still enjoying it. So, I mean, it's got to be good. Uh, I'm just going to throw out a theory to you guys, if you're ready. I think Pete said beans and weenies because beans sounds like bananas and weenies are long and thin like bananas are. Is that right, Pete? Ooh. I was quoting the comic back to you guys. Oh, okay. Right. No, I think that's the new catchphrase. Like Ted Lasso, <laughs> that's a great catchphrase. <laughs> oh, my God. It is. And they eat bangers and mash and like beans on toast and stuff over there. So that's a Ted Lasso right there. DC versus Vampires Killers, number one from DC Comics, written Hurry. by Matt. 
<laughs> Matthew Rosenberg, art by Mike Bowden. You said it ahead. <laughs> I know. That's what really threw me, Eduardo Mello. In this issue, we're catching up with the world where vampires have taken over. Harley Quinn and Catwoman don't want anything to do with it. They just want to do their crime. And as usual, they can't because they get sucked back into it by Jim Gordon. Pete, I know you're really uh, beans and weenieing about this issue. What'd you think? Yeah, uh, I think it's one of those, like, uh, first off, uh, Bergie is killing the game. Any Anytime I see Bergie's name attached to Bergie. something, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, holy crap, Harley Quinn's and everything. But if it's amazing, I don't care. And this is just a great example of that, like... When Jim Gordon shows up and she calls him Jeff, I fell out. I think it's out. Jeff like, Gordon, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking fell out when she's like, Jeff! And it's like, so everybody knows it's fucking Jim Gordon. Just so funny. Like, that's what's so fun about the Harley Quinn character is uh, these kind of fun bits that you can do and still have it be, like, badass and, and kind of fit this DC mold. Uh, yeah, this just seems completely intense and insane, and it's nice to have Bergie at the helm kind of uh, leading us through it. So, hells to the motherfucking yeah. I mean, across the board, I think we've said this DC versus vampires event is plantains good. So, more of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> the Department of Truth, number 19, from Image Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Martin Simmons. In this issue, we're getting some big plot stuff is going down. As our main character finds out more about the Department of Truth, there's some big, huge movements by the end that I don't Oof. want to spoil from the enemy. If they are the enemy, it's not 100% clear. But I... I know there's like, I mention this every time with this book, but like there's been a lot of info dump type issues, which are really smart and they're well-structured and well-written. But when it gets to the plot like this, this book hums, it kills it. And it's so dangerous and scary and nerve wracking to read. Love it. I agree. I love this book. I I was watching this. uh, I was reading this today while um, the, uh, January 6th hearing was on and I was like is this the same am I like in and out of reality here like I just felt like realities were combining in a way that I was like that's how sort of prescient and on it this book is and I love it and that's when the mushrooms kicked in uh yeah this book is straight up gorgeous it's uh really just unbelievable paneling and such a creepy and amazing use of the American flag in this comic uh just continues to impress. Um, I just when I think like, oh, okay, I get an understanding of what's going on. They're kind of bringing fresh ideas, so uh, it's creepy in all the right ways and is very intriguing. Every issue is kind of like a must pick up. The Vampire Slayer number three from Boob Studios, written by Sarah Galley, art by Michael Shelfer. As I mentioned earlier, this is one of those remixes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer here taking place in a world where Willow has become the Vampire Slayer instead of Buffy. There's a lot of other big changes with the other characters. Specifically, we catch up with Xander here, who is having issues with his boyfriend. Um, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, we were a little iffy on the first issue, but we all really dug the second issue. And this is from the same creator from Buffy the Last Vampire. Vampire Slayer, which was one of the better right. Buffy books. So how do you feel this held up in issue number three? Was it more like issue number one or more like issue number two? Mm, uh, we're to silently up. say two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't register. Don't register what you say. Just hold up your fingers. 
Well, hey, I was just giving you nonverbal cues that I'm ready to talk if you wanted to go to me or if you were oh, going to okay. throw it go to ahead, Justin. Pete. Pete, I thought you were like, I would like to go second. I'm second in line. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, this Peace, was a, piece of chance. This is a lot of fun. Uh, the whole worm thing was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was cool. And, uh, you know, it's stuff like this that makes me think maybe it should have been Willow the whole time. You know what I mean? Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, great art, fun character stuff. It's uh, I like the back and forth and the banter. This is a great comic. This comic feels the most like the Buffy TV show, early seasons of the TV show where we've just eliminated Buffy. There's a reason the book is called The Vampire Slayer. No Buffy in the title. No Buffy in the book. And it's just everybody else doing their thing. Um, well, uh, just to clarify, Buffy is in the book, but she's a regular human. She yes, doesn't have yes. vampire slayer powers. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, I right. But that. we don't have time for regular humans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this is great. Like, like Pete said, there's this whole bit with Xander is dealing with relationship issues. So an enormous worm monster comes in and just wants to talk about its feelings. It's <laughs> so funny. I wish that was the entire issue. But I like, agree. That, like yeah, you're saying, that back Justin, and forth was just so much it fun. completely nailed it. And then even if the rest of the bit, which is this new version of Spike hanging out with Xander, is not quite the high of that worm monster, it's still a lot of fun and the dynamic is really good. I'm really enjoying this, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Moving on to A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number nine from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Andre Lima Arojo, picking up on the huge cliffhanger of the last issue, or not at all, actually, as we jump ahead with both of our main characters, this dude who seems mostly unkillable and his young ward (laughs) are very much alive and okay. They've escaped their ordeal and are living the life, eating shrimp tacos. Getting some great tacos. Oh, man, those tacos look so good. The most horrible thing you can imagine comes for them, his mom. Well, that's the last page reveal of being his mom. mom has come to visit. I was like, this is going to be some horrible killer or something. And maybe she will be. But that was a fun twist and an issue that like was building tension the whole time because they were having too good of a time. Too good yeah. of a time for Rick Remender stuff. That's the kiss that's of what I'm death. That's yeah. what makes me think that they're already dead because you can't eat tacos like that twice. You know what I mean? Like that's just mm-hmm. a once and then you die type of time. That's your James <laughs> Bond movie, right? You can't eat tacos like that twice. Yeah. 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 I, I can't wait to read the script. Yeah. Um, anyways, I just feel that like this was just Pete, did both of your headphones just fall out? You can't, he can't hear anything. Yeah, he's one just of talking. his headphones <laughs> fell out and he just kept talking. And then the other headphone would fall out and he just kept talking. Yeah, it's been a nightmare. Uh, I was doing it the whole show. It's uh, been the, <laughs> your ears are closing up. You got tiny, yeah. tiny tubes. This is great. Uh, let's move on to talk about Pearl number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Michael Begatos. I think we talked about this, Justin, on an episode where it was just the two of us, though I could be wrong. Yes. But this is just picking up on the, the old series that the two of them created together about a young Yakuza leader. This was, to be upfront, very frustrating to me because the first issue ended with this big cliffhanger that felt like, here we go. And then in yeah. classic Bendis fashion, it was like, that already happened a while ago. And we'll flash Time back to, to it a little down. bit later, but yeah. we're going to just talk about the aftermath. So characterization still really good. Some awesome art and sequences for Michael Gatos, but... I want this book to get to something personally. Well, and I, it feels like it's almost purposefully not because the first issue, I think we were like, what is this? It's a bunch of like people hanging out and talking about stuff that we don't really know about as a first issue. And sure, I know it's the third volume of this, but 
it felt like very much like not talking about anything. Then something crazy happened in this issue. I actually like this issue better because at least the, the conversations I thought were good. The conversation between Pearl and the FBI agent I thought was a great like sort yeah. of noiry back and forth about someone avoiding saying something and putting out a fake persona at the same time. That was a cool scene I thought. But yes, I do want like just like some some na- uh, line a narrative with a full line through it. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I agree. I I think that this is very intriguing. The art's fantastic. It really sets up this kind of noir feel. Um, But I'm concerned about this uh, this lady's tattoos that seem to like sometimes appear, but then sometimes aren't there. You didn't think she didn't pay. Maybe she didn't pay full price for them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's like a whole nother generation of tattoos that is like, almost like a mood ring that only shows up when like shit gets real. You know what I mean? That's like you have a mood beard. (laughs) That only appears when you're angry. Last but not least, as mentioned, this was our request this week from a nice crisp Espinat. It is Silver Surfer Surfer Requiem from Marvel, written by J. Michael Straczynski, art by Asad Ribic. This is a four-issue miniseries where, you can figure this out from the title, but Silver Surfer finds out that he is going to die and over the course of four issues takes a tour of the Marvel Universe. I definitely remember reading this back in the day, but I didn't remember any of the details of it. Uh, But what did you guys think, uh, either revisiting this or checking this out for the first time? This. I loved it when it came out initially, and I loved rereading it. Like uh, the Assad Ribic art is so good; it's so like Marvel Masterworks trading card style um, art, uh, which is really cool. And it it is perfectly paired with sort of the high drama, high melodrama, big storytelling that uh, J. Michael Straczynski is doing here. It's hard to fully remember that JMS was like a huge deal for so long. And he, he is a great comic writer. Um, I don't want to get into some of the other things he's done in his life, uh, which can be not as good, but, um, and this story is great. I think the silver surfer is one of the best Marvel characters to tell a big, like emotional story with, because, uh, he's such a blank slate who is like highly emotional, but also completely unemotional at the same time. Pete, what about you? What did you the think? The fucking of this one? art, man. Every fucking panel is just beautiful. Like absolutely gorgeous. I when we when this comic was brought up and I was like, "Oh, I remember the only thing that kept coming to my mind was like, I remember it being beautiful. I remember it being like artistically an achievement." And then going back and revisiting it, it's uh yeah, it's kind of it's it's tough because now you know the, the you know I'm not sure what's going on with the writer, but if that something isn't cool, that's not cool. But uh, this is just a great combination of like the sacrifice that Silver Surfer is making for all of us, and like it's doing it in such a deep, beautiful way that it was like I was so happy that we got had to reread this because it was really very moving. The thing that I thought was actually really interesting about revisiting this series is JMS, despite, like you're saying, Justin, being one of the bigger writers of this period in Marvel Comics, is, and even the fact that, like, he tends to build these enormous mythologies, is a very grounded writer. Like, he always gives a very ground-level thing. So, yeah. 
it was surprising to me to see him on Silver Surfer. It isn't necessarily what I'd expect, but I do think his execution plays to its strengths. To the detriment of the comic is definitely too strong because I really like this book across the board. But the first issue, Silver Surfer is going to the Fantastic Four and dealing with that makes total sense. And by the end of that issue, I was like, okay, here we go. He's found out he's dead. He's dealt with the Fantastic Four, which are his iconic pairing. Now we're going to see him do this tour of the universe and it's going to expand outward as it goes. And then the second issue is like, and here I am still on earth now hanging out with Spider-Man, which uh, JMS was the Spider-Man writer. So I understand why Spider-Man was in there, but that was, uh, that was the issue that like, even though I loved bits in it that I thought were so wonderful, felt to me, felt like a little bit of a waste of the issues length. I don't know, whatever you would work, word you'd use oh, there, because you. it isn't right. until issue three that he goes and explores space. And then issue four, spoiler, though you can figure this out, he ends up in Zedla and there's Galactus and all of those things. So it felt like those bookends really made a lot of sense to me. Issue three made a lot of sense to me. Issue two was the one that felt like, hey, you got to get Spider-Man in there for the sales. Uh, because I, I don't... Have they ever hung out? Like, has there ever been a connection with him? Probably. But because it seemed like he was he's on for his way on out. He was on his way out and he saw you some can come trouble into the happening. Mic. You can come into the mic. <laughs> he was on his way out and he saw the trouble happening and he was like, you know what? Instead of flying around universe, you know what? I need to help. And that was kind of like the bigger thing where it was like he was going to kind of go on this ride for him and have one last kind of hurrah with everything. But then this kind of thing that, you know, caught his attention and kind of derailed his journey uh, became something bigger in itself. So, like, yeah, I mean, the whole MJ moment was unbelievable. Like, uh, just so such a... Maybe this was the coloring and the version that I read. Did it look like after MJ did her vision quest thing with Silver Surfer, when she came back, she was Gwen Stacy? What, dude? What yeah, it must have been sh- some... I read the Kindle version, and there must have been some weird coloring, because there's a moment you only see her lying in Spider-Man's arms, and it's a blonde lady with a headband. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. MJ, fucking, which is very right, strange. Now I'm going to fucking have to go through this here. You guys riff here. I'm All right, absolutely. I, I guess my point is, I thought uh, on its own, it's a beautiful Silver Surfer Spider-Man story. I just wish it wasn't the second issue of the book. That's She's got the fucking headband and the thing before. Okay. When she rolls in. Okay. Uh, I get you. Like, if this was a longer series, it would have made more sense to have a full hang. Spidey and hang. her hair is not any yeah. lighter when she comes back, bro. Don't, don't know, put your shit on shit. You know what I mean? Don't bring your back. <laughs> I just think this. this book is garbage in the second issue in particular. That's what <laughs> oh I'm my God, about. dude. No, this I, I it's great. It's well worth reading. Thank you. Uh, I definitely am going to drink a crisp Aspinet in your honor. <laughs> later on. We have to. We all have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for the suggestion. If you would like to suggest something, Apple yeah, Podcasts, leave a reading, leave a comment. We'll get to it. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and many more, until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Like Ted Lasso, good night. <laughs>